0: This is a new Fly Fishing Founders episode where we go behind the scenes with outdoor companies going all in on their craft. This week on the Wet Fly Swing podcast, we have Tom Ski with Trek TV. Welcome to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show, where you discover tips, tricks, and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today. We'll help you on your fly fishing journey with classic stories covering steelhead fishing, fly tying, and much more. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Thanks for stopping by the Fly Fishing Show. In today's episode, I talk with Tom Ski from Trek TV and the Trail of Highways. We hear some of the products Tom uh, distributes, including the Cognito brand uh, shirts and Snowbee gear. Uh, Tom shed some light on his day job working in the online space and how to grow your influence. We dig into a bunch of, bunch of online, some business stuff. So if, uh, if you're interested in that, you should probably stick around. And uh let's just jump into it. So without further ado, here's Tom Ski. How's it going Tom? Pretty good, Dave. How are you doing today? Good. Good. Yeah, it's good to get you on know, the the call here and you know, we're going to dig into some of the stuff you have going, uh, as far as the you know the trail of highways and you know you've got a. It seems to me like you got a ton of things going on, a bunch of a bunch of balls in the air. Uh, but I want to talk about all that, but also want to talk about you know fly fishing and just fishing in general. When did you first? Uh, I mean, I'm not sure if you do more fly fishing or, or what what you're into now. Maybe you can talk about how you first got into that.
1: Okay, um, well, I started uh, fly fishing. I I lived on the road. I dropped out of college and went to Missoula, Montana and my aunt and uncle lived out there and I started driving truck yeah, for them and spent uh, seven years kicking around and uh, I, one year I had uh, 15 fishing licenses for 15 states that were full season licenses huh. and I I started fish fly fishing in Idaho on the salmon and all the way up in New Hampshire. I have fly fished Lake Washington up there. And I just drove around the country backpacking. I had a shotgun in my truck and I bird hunted and, and fly fished and, uh, backpacked. Uh, one of my favorite areas to go back in those days was out of, uh, Ketchum, Idaho. Um, I knew the guys there that actually, whose dad started Hobie hmm. and I would leave my truck with them and they would take me up and drop me off at, um, uh, the, the trail head up out of pettit lake up to alice lake and i would backpack and do a nine lake loop and uh hang out up there in the wilderness area and fly fish up there as well yeah. and then i went to uh, montana and got married and uh well i was in montana out of missoula but i went back and permanently stayed in montana got married bought some property on the missouri river met pat barnes uh, he taught me how to tie flies. And I uh, started tying flies, and I started guiding on the Missouri River in uh, 1987, I believe, huh. or 86, something like that. And there was nobody there then. I mean, we had the place to ourselves. Paul Roos was there, um, John Kowalski, um, Pete Cardinal, huh. and uh, Craig Matson, who I became very good friends with out of Great Falls. And I started doing a lot with Craig and Neil Streaks and uh, Chris Quinn and uh, just hanging out there and uh, fishing. I was on the, on the mow until uh, 1991 and then I went to Oregon for a little while and hung out with Dave McNeese and that's where I met John Shuey and uh, they got me into steelhead fishing and then I went back to Montana and uh, started running a fly fishing school out of... Uh, out of west glacier wow and i was up there until uh 2000 i guess and i guided up there um yeah till then but i we went all over the state i mean i did the beaver head the clark fork the big hole you know the big horn i mean I, I took clients everywhere and did extended trips and and stuff like that uh I love the sport. I mean, it's really in my blood. It's my passion. Yeah. Even though I do full-fledged marketing now for a lot of people in the marine industry from Yamaha, Outboard Marine, and Tidewater Boats, and several other companies in the marine space. Uh, and I have a full full development web team. We can do anything anybody wants, a full SEO team, and a whole team of uh, content writers. We write lots of content for people, probably, oh, close to three to 400 features a year.
0: Huh. Wow. So, so yeah. And I want to dig into some of that, uh, some of the the stuff you do with SEO and everything, see if we can find some, you know, get a little background, get some tips there, but you mentioned, um, you know, it sounds like, yeah, you had a long history there of, of, you know, some guiding and a little bit of everything. What, you know, at, at some point in there, did you kind of make a decision that you weren't going to be, you know, your typical all in on, on guiding and, and that end and in fly fishing. And then you went some other route. Can you take us to that point or what, was it pretty clean yeah. or, yeah.
1: Um, yeah. I mean, I just got, I got, I got tired of uh, being out and entertaining in the boat every day because really that's what guiding is. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, you're, you're really entertaining people. You've got to be able to tell them stories yeah. and, and everything else. And I, I guided a lot of uh, people, of different nationalities uh, from all over the world, uh, Japanese and uh, French people, people from France, Germany, England. Um, and and I just started having things happen. Like I had one one client, one guy called me up and, uh, you know, wanted to know about bringing, bringing a couple of 14-year-olds with him. But he didn't tell me the whole story until I met him at the boat ramp. He dropped the kids off with me, and he took off and went fishing by himself. Oh, so wow. I was, so I was his babysitter. Yeah. And, it, you know, it, the industry was just changing. And yep. so I just, you know, I decided just to uh, roll out of it. And, uh, you know, I've always been really good with people and talking, and I actually built my first uh, website in uh, 1996, I actually paid a guy $40 an hour to teach me DOS and sit at, sit next to me at a desk and, uh, in the old dial up days and before HTML and build website and my first site was on a server through Fly Fisherman magazine out of Denver huh. and, and the only way I could get it to upload was at 3.30 in the morning because Sprint owned all the lines then. Then and uh, when you would upload, you, you could actually trace it uh, from Montana that would go to Chicago, then Kansas City, Atlanta, Houston. You could follow your data going across the lines till it finally got to Denver you know, yeah. know, and, and uploaded to your website. And, wow.
0: So, yeah, so you basically, I mean, I guess it's similar to my story a little bit where, you know, I did a little bit of guiding, too, but just just didn't love it, you know, and that's the bottom line. You didn't love it, so you went into, you know, the online space early on. And, and you've been doing that now for, uh, I mean, basically, what, like 20, 20 plus years now?
1: Um, yes, I actually have. Yeah. Um, we were I was selling first. I was booking uh, trips online t-shirts and i had ten thousand dollar bronzes online but we could in those days you couldn't even get people to look at anything cost that much online you know they were scared to death of the internet but it was you know it was good to have one there it was good it was good promotion for my artist friends. let's put it that way
0: well i want to dig into some of the uh you mentioned the consulting you do and things like that but before we get there can you just talk because i'm a little uh i don't totally know i mean i know some of the websites that i guess you you know you own can you talk about your own because i think of the trail of there when you go to that you instantly come to um where it looks like you're selling um cognito brand uh products can you talk about you know what what you're selling there just what your are you know and kind of all the the websites that you own personally or professional you know professionally
1: oh professionally well through another uh, media company out of Georgia, I've got 106 websites that in uh, that company. I think believe we're in the process of uh, of selling off. So I don't want to dive into too much of that. And there's a lot yeah. of proprietary stuff there, but uh, we do a lot of content there. As as newspapers were going out of business, um, I went across the internet and I was working for newspapers out of San Francisco at that time, uh, doing web development and selling ads for them. Um, and uh managing content and things like that so i started buying up uh newspapers as they were going out of business just their websites that was the only thing they had that was worth any money huh. and first one i bought was st odd news which now is 20 some years old <laughs> it yeah. has a lot of traffic to it and i just picked them up across the us we've got 106 of them we used to market companies out of there and then i i was I just, I'm an avid backpacker and I still love to fish and I still love to, I actually love to tie flies more than I like to guide. And I'm going to actually start a traveling fly tying video series where I'm going to be, I'm going to be gone starting in March. I'm going to be working off of the road for six months straight. I'm going to be backpacking sections of the Pacific Crest Trail. I've got all my permits. Uh, I've got friends coming over from Germany doing the Continental Divide Trail. I'm gonna go hook up with them and do sections of that as well. But I, and I'm gonna I'm on fishing uh at least two days a week while while I'm out on the road. And I'm gonna do beginner fly tying videos and show people how to live on the road and have the right type of fly tying material with you. And I'm using a uh, a boat gear bag, basically, I've set up with everything, with all my whiting hackles and different hackles in there, and and uh, just teach people how to tie flies and do fly fishing videos and more backpacking videos and and show the trail. Mm-hmm. I love to be outdoors. I love to walk. Uh, to me, there's nothing like uh, hiking down a trail somewhere. Nice, you know, it's, nice.
0: It's, so, it's, so it sounds like you've been you've been kind of traveling on, you know and you're going back on the road. I mean, do you have, I mean, what, what, do you have a, like a family there or what's your background? I mean, have you, have they been, you know, just how have you been able to be a, it sounds like a traveler for a lot of your life.
1: Um, I've actually designed my work around that. When I first started working for Yamaha and a bunch of other companies, I was actually living out of a van and I just use a fi unit. And there's actually videos out there that are really old from, uh, a family called the Wynn family, and uh, and him and his wife were doing exactly what I was doing, but they were actually videoing it, and I wasn't. Then they run a marketing company as well, and uh, and I've just designed my life so that uh, I've got a great staff and people that surround me, and I can be out and be gone doing this. Uh, as far as children goes, they're all grown, gone, and have lives of their own, and in their thirties. Really? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to be 63 years old next month.
0: There you go. There you go. So you're still, you're still young and you got plenty plenty of time here. What, what now your kids, how how many kids and uh, girls, boys?
1: Um, I have one that's my own biological and then I have a significant other that, uh, I participated in raising those three and there's two girls there and a boy there. Okay. And, uh, my biological daughter and the one other daughter, they both live in Seattle, and the other kids are in montana.
0: Oh gotcha, gotcha and are your kids doing anything in the outdoor space, or what are they up to
1: um not really they they are hunters and fishermen, but uh uh one of them is married to a geologist, and her background was actually to be a hydrologist, but uh she uh works the corporate world at Zillow oh yeah you stuff. So, <laughs> yeah, so you know it's uh, and the other ones um, they're well, they just had they just well, we just had uh, four four grandchildren born in the last three months, so actually the one boy he's actually uh, being a stay-at-home dad right with the baby, and uh, his wife's got a great manager's job, and so she's working, and yeah, uh, a little bit of everything. The other, yeah, a little bit of everything. So it's uh, you know, That's cool. it's cool. It is cool. It's fun.
0: That's cool. So, yeah, I want to get to, I'm trying to just get a picture of, you know, for those that, you know, I, th- I know there are people that listen to this that are going to be interested to know, like on the online space, how, you know, how you make a business out of this. Can you talk about, you know, a little bit about where, you know, online, where you make your money or is it coming from, you know, those sales and the, the trail of highways or is this coming from consulting? Can you give us a little perspective on that?
1: Um, it, it actually comes mixed more from consulting. Um, I've actually got clients out there in the archery space that uh, I've built their website. I do all their marketing, all their SEO, and I've taken them, and they're a local Colorado company, from not having any online business at all 18 months ago to doing $10,000 a month online. And they're and their local walk-in business is is almost 30k a month, and that's all just from SEO, marketing, content with blogs, um, things of that nature. And I do that for several other companies, and I haven't taken, I haven't been able to get my own business up that far as far as apparel and stuff goes. And I, I work with Climate Gear too, who I love those guys out of. Uh, Out of Salt Lake City. I saw their tents, backpacks, Uh uh, sleeping bags, and things like that. But I'm so busy doing, getting everybody else's business up to the level that they would like it that I don't take enough time 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 to do. To do my own, I'm kind of like the auto mechanic. Yeah, everybody else's car runs great, but mine, mine kind of chugs along. Yeah, exactly, you know?
0: <laughs> that's pretty good. So, the, like, let's take it to the archery that that company there. I think you know the interesting thing is is that um, you know definitely there are people. You probably have some tips and tricks. People maybe they're doing their their solo thing, trying to start a you know their business out here. Can you talk a little bit about you know how you got that company from? you know, zero to 10 K. I mean, what, what is, what does it look like? What did you do for them? You know, you talk about SEO, like when they come to you, how do you, can you give us a little, uh, brief rundown on that process?
1: Um, definitely. Um, first thing was to look at what they had for a website structure, um, their sales platform and all of that, which they, what they had was absolutely terrible. Um, and it, and it really matters on, Having everything set up with all your images being all tagged and your good meta descriptions and having a good website structure. And we build everything off of WordPress. Uh, We start with a basic child theme, but we hard code everything together after that. And then just going through and making sure as we're putting up all of the products is where I started first and SEO and every piece of inventory that went on that website um, so it could be found. To give you an idea, like last month's analytics came in for for that website, and now this isn't even counting social or the email letters I do for them. I do all their newsletters as well. They actually showed up in search thirty thousand times in in the month of January. But it but it's all we you know we write blogs about. We we host they host the AS, ASA tournaments, the JOAD tournaments. And, uh, one of their staff members, we do, we do technical stuff. We run technical schools, um, all of that. We write about it yeah. all. We, huh. we video it all. How do you and, gauge,
0: how do you gauge, uh, success, uh, you know, when you go back to these companies and you talk about, you know, uh, you know, success, what, what, how do you, how do you let them know how you're doing? I mean, are there, is there one metric? Is there a few? I mean, do you have one? Is it just uh, bottom line?
1: A lot of metrics. It's, it, it goes basically a you know, traffic to the website, how it's performing, um, and, and their involvement too, because if you just put up, everybody's got this, you know, I call it the field of dream syndrome, build it and they'll come. That is not the truth. Yeah. Um, uh, if you build it, they don't come. No. Nope. Um, uh, you've got to work it. You've got to be running a full social program. You've got to be having a newsletter going out and you've got to have a, you know, a few thousand people signed up for your newsletter in order for it to have any type of impact at all. Um, you know, social media, it's hard to anymore back in the early days when I first started, I mean, I've got a social network of over a million people through the other company. Um, but it was easy back, you know, back in 2009, 2010 to build niche social networks. It's a lot harder now. Everybody, you know, in the old days, the, the, I'll call it the old days, even though it's 11 years ago. Yep. Um, it's not really that oh, long yeah. ago. Yeah. Um, you know, it was easy to go in and gain followers and build an audience and you had good reach where now to me, Facebook, I absolutely detest it, but I use it. Mm-hmm. Um, They've taken, you know, where you had like, you know, like a got I got one client who's got two hundred and fifty thousand followers on, on Facebook, and we do a post or anything. You only reach five percent of that audience. Yeah. Which, which to me is, I mean, Zuckerberg's a, he's smart, but he's really a crook. Yeah. Because you put you put in all of this work to build an audience. And then they don't even get to see your postings or read your stories yeah. or anything unless you pay him to reach your own audience. Right after you put in all this time and everything to build it, and, and I just, I just that to me just grinds me. I mean, I, I get that they've got to make money and stuff, but there ought to be, you know, you ought to pay to reach other audiences other than your own. Yep. And you know, and one thing people don't understand when they come in to is I I do have an outdoor network through Roadtrek TV of over a hundred thousand people. That's that's the, a niche market for fly fishing, backpacking, and travel. And you know, people think you know they come in with you know three, four, five thousand, ten thousand, thirty thousand people, but you're feeding the same thirty thousand people the same message over and over and over again. So after a while you start seeing diminishing returns and that's, that's where SEO and having somebody like me with more reach and I have access to, to a lot of buyers through, through major corporations. And I, I just can't say how, or I'm not going to say how, but um, you know, you've got to be able to go out and spend the dollars to reach those other people in order to expand your company and get the growth that you're looking for. You can't just stay stuck in one place. Yeah, SEO, content, all of that will definitely raise and you you can see a 20 to 30% increase in sales in the first year by doing all of that. But after that 12 to 15 month period, you're gonna see things level out or even decline some because you're not reaching any more new people.
0: Have you ever heard uh, of the blog post uh, by Kevin Kelly, uh, "A 1,000 true fans? Yes, I have. Yeah, yeah. So that I think kind of goes, you know, I mean, I think there's two schools of thought. There's a school of thought where you have to keep getting bigger and, and building more and more, you know, and millions and stuff like that. Well, it depends on your, your model and stuff. But there's also the model that says, you know, you really only need a 1,000 people to be, you know, as long as they're your true fans – you know, and you've built relationships, and they're sharing your stuff, and they love. You know what I mean? Like, right? That's where I mean. Obviously, when I think about what I'm doing with this with this podcast, um, I guess I kind of think about that way because I think when you get into the numbers of you know millions and having to do, I mean, obviously SEO stuff is important. Finding new people is important. But I think, especially for somebody starting out, I think people get so, and I guess maybe this is more talk, it depends on your product, but thinking of the online space that, you know, you get so caught up in the numbers, you don't realize that actually, you know, I mean, think about it. If you had, if you sold, say, an online something, a course for $1,000, how many people would you need to buy that thing? until you had a, a you know a sustainable business right so i think it i think it depends it sounds like you're more in the game of you need to get more more and more followers is that is that basically the case with some of the stuff you're doing
1: um it well it really is and i mean if you take if you take hard goods and you know like you take like yeah. the Cognito brand stuff yeah that that's Doug and example. I do um you know you reach a saturation point and that stuff is that stuff will last for years i mean i've got I've got shirts that are six years old that are still—they look almost as good as the day I got them.
0: And isn't that what I mean? That you know, again, I think that going back to it, I think it's products I have the good companies, you know, Thermarest. Uh, actually, I just—I just ripped my Thermarest, uh, you know, chair. But I mean, I've had it for 20, 30 years, and I think the good companies—that is a good question because I talk about them. You know what I mean? When somebody mm-hmm. asks me, I'm like, you know, how many times I've told somebody about my thermorest chair kit. And like, I've done the marketing for that company. So, right, you know what I mean? And I wonder how many people that I've influenced just because of my word of mouth. You know, so I think the FinCognito, it sounds like they've got an amazing product and people are probably already doing that marketing for you, right?
1: Um, They are to a point. um, But it, in order to, to get the stain, sustainability of where it needs to be, we've got to reach a bigger audience faster than what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because you it's know, a physical that, product.
1: Because it's a physical product, it has a long longevity, and you've just got to be able to get out there and and do that. Yeah. Or th- otherwise, you do you do you get stuck in one place. And you know, if you want to just have a thousand people that maybe tell a few other people, and you grow it like two to three percent a year, that's fine. But if you actually want to build something that uh, you either want to pass down to your kids or yeah sell it off for retirement, or, you know, may yep. turn it into a, a business business, you've got to get out there and you've got to be, you've got to do it, you've got to, do it. You you've got got to work do it. it hard.
0: Do you, you um, know, yeah, I want to talk a little about a little more, uh, dig into the Fincognito and uh, Snowby and some other companies that we've, uh, we kind of work with, but um, another book I've actually just been uh, kind of reading or, uh, you know, recently was uh guerrilla marketing and I kind of just started it. But uh,
1: um, oh, you're just starting those. Oh, Jay Levinson. I've actually, when Jay was alive, I've actually been I actually went to his seminars back yeah, in the early days,
0: exactly. Yeah, so it's an older book. So, the cool thing about it, when you because I'm I love I'm kind of like nerdy that way, the business marketing and kind of online stuff. And mm-hmm. you know, I heard him through another book that was about uh podcasting, you know, basically, which is another great book. Uh, I'm draw, mm-hmm. drawing a blank on the name. But the grill of marketing is, you know, get out there. You're a solo entrepreneur, you know, get out there and you got to – you don't have the money to reach a huge audience. So you got to – basically what I was talking about with the true fans, I think. Like you got to dig in and you got to just serve that one person, you know. And I, I kind of think of it that way for myself that I'm trying to find and delight a few people, you know. And I, I don't know. I guess I question like, well, now is that, you know, sustainable? Or if, if I was to ask you, you know, looking at my brand – you know how would you recommend if you just take that for example that i could you know i mean my my podcast is is growing slowly but how would you recommend i take that to the next level
1: um to take it to the next level well as we've discussed before i would turn a lot of these into into excerpts um i would actually you know be running running some very niche targeted ads and not a big spend either i mean i i would be taking You know, like Instagram or even, you know, I think Twitter works well for your product as well. Uh, And just be doing like some $150 a month spends on some shows just to push the message out there and to grow your social account so that when you get to a point and you're putting a show live, you can actually put out a message saying this show's going live and you'll actually have, you know, another thousand or two thousand more people going there to listen you know, and it and it doesn't take it doesn't take a whole lot of money as far as that end goes. I mean, running a good website and things like that. You know, you you've got to make a, you know, if you're running a hard product, you know, like the archery the archery yep. thing in schools and yep. classes and and things like that. You know, a spend for them was like five thousand dollars out of the gate, roughly. And the average monthly spend to sustain that and turn the income we're turning is is under under two k a month. Yeah, wow. So 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 their return, their ROI is extremely you know extremely well. Well,
0: that that's the thing you track. And then on the ROI, how would you you know if you take say the Twitter, you did some sort of uh, Twitter ads or something for 150 bucks, how would you track? Um, you know, what would be your metric to track success on, on on that spend?
1: i on that spend would be the number of people that actually clicked and came in and, and then the number of people that bought plus also the number of people that actually started following your brand, even though they haven't bought at this time. And it does take an average of anywhere from seven to 13 times for somebody to visit a website to make a purchase. Everybody thinks, too, that if you click in one time, you know, they're going to buy something. But they don't. I mean, like we just sold a $1,375 PSE bow to a, a woman in South Florida out of Miami, a target bow for tournament shooting. But she visited the website. I tracked her. She visited the website nine times yeah. before she bought.
0: That's right. Uh, that's a good, That's uh, the seven, I talk a lot about the seven or think about the seven hits where it's. Yeah, they they hear you here, and then they they connect with you on Facebook and Twitter, and then finally, yeah, the seventh or thirteenth time, they actually are like, okay, well, it's the no like and trust. They they're you know, and it makes sense. People, you know, that listen to my podcast, you know, they're not going to spend any money on or you know on anything until they know me and they like me, and then and then they trust, right? They're, they got to trust. That's yep. the, that's the bottom line. So that's what we're building. I did want to talk, Fincognito. Can you talk a little about uh, that brand because we are going to be, we're doing a giveaway and we're going to be giving away some of their products. Um, and we'll also get into Snowbee, but talk about what Fincognito is and and who the founder is and all that.
1: Uh, the founder is, uh, Doug Fowdy, Fowdy. um, and Doug used to own, uh, children's, uh, another clothing company or called, uh, outdoor company called Molehill, And it was based here in, uh, Idaho Springs, Colorado. Um, and he sold that off as regulations changed and it was just got harder to, do children's clothing? Oh yeah, and so he, you know, he's an avid fly fisherman, and I've known Doug for a while. And uh, he decided to create a whole outdoor performance line based on uh, artwork, and it's called uh, it's wear it's wearable art is what it is. Yeah, and although all the designs on all of the on all of the items, the leggings, the the jacket, the pullover, the new pullover hoodies, we'll we'll get into those because yep. I. I field tested that um, before we came out with them. Uh, some pro hoodies, the gloves, everything. It, all artists make money off of everything that we sell, off of off the websites oh, and out wow. of out of our, out of the retail stores and, and things like that. So I mean, we're helping artists and we're yeah. giving people great designs and great products. I mean, everything is an SPF 50. Um, And and it's awesome. I mean, I backpack in it. Well, if you go watch my videos, you'll see I'm wearing I'm wearing the brown trout leggings most of the time. That's right. uh, a couple of my favorite shirts out of the group. That's right. I saw. Uh, I,
0: I saw you at the. Uh, I think that's where we met at the <laughs> IFTD. You were wearing the spandex, the leggings, and uh, I asked Doug at the show. I was like, we got talking. He's like, uh, you know, no. Uh, he's like, Tom. Tom wears the leggings. I don't really wear the tight leggings. <laughs> so it's pretty. You. You, uh, you support. Yeah. I mean, you're a big. You're promoting. I mean, that's this products on your trail of highways, right? Those are all of Doug's products.
1: Yes, they are.
0: Yep. Yeah. So you're
1: well, not well, not everything. I've got climate and other brands up there as well with Snowbee. but all the all the apparel on there is definitely his.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. So when you're selling it there, you're just doing that as. Um... I mean how how does that work? Do you do you get a cut off of those sales that are going through your Oh, website? yes,
1: definitely. Yeah. yeah, off of off of everybody and then I actually work for with with him and uh, Snowbee for building up their brands, generating sales on their own website and oh, okay. I mean i promote, I promote them more off of their own website than I do off of mine, but Yeah, uh, so
0: fin, so fincognito.com
1: um, yeah, so actually we've just changed the, we're redid we that website. It's actually cognito brands now and uh we doug's expanded it and i've helped him come up with different things and field tested stuff and it's uh and now he's got uh, mountain cognito which is all rock climbing backpacking hiking designs ski designs and then he just came out with ocean cognito when he did the surf expo in, in florida and he was pretty well received with the new stuff on it and it's got surfers and uh Breaching whales wow. and dolphins. So he's, and,
0: he's got a potential to, you know, I mean, obviously, fly fishing is a small niche, but it sounds like he's thinking bigger, expanding out because the product, what, what, the product is it's a sunshade, right? I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's yeah, it's, it's an SPF 50. Uh, yeah. yeah, SPF it's 50. It's
1: performance wear. I mean, it. We definitely compete right in there with Patagonia, Columbia, North Face. In fact, we have a new a new product, which I guess I'll get into it. Uh, Doug calls it on his on his website a of, of flex shield. I call it what I really truly believe it is off of a trail of highways, a hydrophobic uh, uh, flex. Well, Doug calls it a flex shell. I call it a flex shield. And the reason is, is because it it is water resistant and wind resistant. And it's a really, it's an interesting uh, fabric. It's actually got 47% cotton in it which when Doug got the sample of it, he called me and said, God, he said, I'm scared to death of this. I said, well, you know, have him make a shirt, send it over. I'll take yeah. it out. And it was spring of last year. And you know how the weather was in the Northwest last year. Yep. Lots of rain, lots of snow. So they, they sent out, they sent a shirt my size. Um, and I took it out and went backpacking with it. And I, I went up to a lake out of Salida and, and I mean, it, it, it snowed, it, it hailed, torrential downpour on my way out, yeah. and I, I hiked down with my backpack on, and I left my rain jacket in my backpack. I decided I, decided I was going to see how this fabric actually performs. Uh-huh. I mean, I never got cold. I was warm all weekend in it. It's, it's a very heavy pullover, quarter zip, um, and it took 30 minutes in a torrential downpour before I actually felt the moisture coming through it. Uh-huh. And so I kept it on for another, you know, another mile or so down, down the mountain, another, another half hour or so. And then I started to get wet. Yeah. So I, I, I stopped, took off my pack, pulled out my rain jacket, but I still left on that, that pullover. And I put my rain jacket on over that, put my backpack on and, and then headed the other three miles down the trail to the trailhead to my vehicle. And I still did not get cold and it was you know, it was cold enough out that it was hailing and snowing. I mean, it was only in the, you know, those was a 40s, low 40s, maybe even high 30s. Mm-hmm. I got down to the rig, took off my rain jacket, my backpack, threw them in the back seat of the 4x4 and climbed into the front and started it up and flipped on the heat still leaving that wet that soaking wet shirt on. And uh, I drove 90 miles back to uh back to the house and by the time I got Oh, well, probably the divide or fluorescent. The shirt was almost dry.
0: Oh, so it dries quick. It quick dries dry. quick. Quick drying. Yeah. So, so it's a perfect perfect outdoor and I'll and I'll put a link to that um that product in the show notes so people can check it out. Is that something that we can actually uh purchase now? Yes, it is. Okay. Yes. Perfect. And no, also right. what what is oh, it called? Go ahead. You know,
1: um, I call it a hydrophobic flex
0: shield hy- hydrophobic. Okay. And, and also, at yeah, a, I'll,
1: I'll email you a
0: link over to them. Okay, perfect. And, um, at wet slash giveaway will be a, 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 link to the giveaway that we're doing. And actually I think this might be by the time this publishes goes out at the giveaway that we're doing, maybe over. And if it is, um, people can still sign up there and, and get their name in for the next giveaway we'll be doing. And I'm sure that down the line, there'll be more Fin uh, or a Cognito brand because it, it's a cool product. You know, it, it catches your eye right away. It, it's bright. There's cool big fish photos on it. So yeah, I, I want to get, before we get out of here, I want to dig into some uh, tips for people. You know, again, I, I think my focus here is maybe that new guide or company that wants to you know, get, do better on their social media. Maybe we'll get into some tips a little bit. But before we do, um, I want to talk about Snowbee. They're another company who I actually met William and his crew at, uh, again, IFTD. Another plug for IFTD, I think. that That's, again, networking. If you're a business, yeah. your best chance. You, I've Many people have said on this podcast, you know, go to the events. You know, that's the best thing you can do. But, um, yeah, I met Snowbee there, and we were talking about, you know, looking at their gear. I wasn't familiar with them at the time, but they broke out this really cool jacket, rain jacket, which was just this uh, unique thing. So maybe you could talk just uh, briefly about, you know, uh, th- the company and that jacket, kind of what they do best.
1: Okay. Um, Snowbee has actually been around 40 years. They aren't very well known in the U.S., unfortunately, uh, more so in England and U- Europe, Germany, and in that area. But their products um, exceed, uh, everything else sold in the U.S. by a long shot. Uh, it, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm amazed and, uh, and blown away by this stuff. You know, being in the industry as long as I've been in the industry, um, I haven't seen anything like this in the Ingenuity, and even the new stuff coming that I can't talk about is is actually mind-blowing. But the Novellus jacket that uh, you're talking about is probably the best puffy on the market. It's better than any of the competitors out there. It is actually, we, it's really waterproof, but we won't say it's waterproof because the seams, the new, the next generation will be, and um, but this one, you know, around around the seams and stuff, water will seep in a okay. little bit. But it, but the down always stays
0: dry. Oh, that's in right, it. it's down. Yeah, so it's a down jacket.
1: It's a down jacket. It always stays dry. It's totally wind-resistant, 100%. I've worn this thing out at 13 below zero in 30-mile-an-hour winds and not got chilled except for my face.
0: Does it uh, – and I love down – I mean, I'm a big – when I talk about the the stuff I wear all the time, it's – I try to wear mostly wool and mostly down. I mean, as far as the
1: same here, yeah, yeah, as
0: far as the natural, I mean, there's a ton of synthetic stuff, obviously fleece and all that, which is great too. But I mean, you just can't beat down. right. I mean, as far as staying warm and, and does this jacket uh, pack up pretty small?
1: Um, actually it does. I'm taking it with me on the backpacking trips this summer. I took yeah. it last fall with me as well. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, it fits in. I have a, an old, uh, stuff bag, um, I don't even remember what product was in it that I wore out. And it rolls up nicely and uh, I have a little velcro strap I throw around it to compress it down further and I just drop it in this stuff sack.
0: Yeah, and yeah. It that's right. uh,
1: works great.
0: That's right. Okay, and, and then also I mean I think Snoopy has uh waders. I mean can you talk about some of the other stuff they what, what they do what they're best at?
1: Um yes, I definitely will. And uh waiters and fly line is uh two areas oh, they and really fly line. excel at. Yes, wow. Okay. Um, they're they're fabric, uh, well, it's called a fabric soft touch uh, uh, prestige wader, breathable wader. These things are incredible. And I've never seen anything like them, and they don't make noise when you're walking. They have waterproof pockets in them. And they're double and triple layered in in the in your rear end and down through your knees and stuff. And the way the layers are put together is if a thorn pokes through, It'll only go through one layer, so it doesn't go all the way in, so you don't get wet while you're out there waiting. You can pull the thorn out, fix your little hole later, mm-hmm. and the water will just build up inside, and you can easily get it out in between the two layers if you're if you're wading that deep. Mm-hmm. And it, it's it's an absolutely incredible product. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the way the way that's designed with the air pocket and and how the seams are sealed and. You know, like you take your your five layer neoprenes that everybody's got out there. Everybody brags yep. about those things are like wearing cardboard. <laughs> I mean you can't move really, in them? Yeah. They're heavy, you know. They're hot. Yeah, um, I I hate them. And uh, they've taken they've taken waiter design to a whole new level. Yeah, and and they've done the same thing with they have a um, uh, what they call a, a a seamless fusion technology neoprene glove. Which is, which basically neoprene isn't waterproof, but this thing is waterproof and nimble. Um, it's a one uh, millimeter uh, thick uh, neoprene and it has anti-slip on it so you don't take the slime off of fish so you can handle fish while you're out fishing with it. But the other thing I thought was really cool with it, I'm an avid photographer and I could run my SLR with it without oh, really? taking the gloves off. Oh yeah, it's, it's awesome
0: this is uh cool i'm actually just looking at the um the snowbee website and this is what i love about this show i mean i think there's probably some people that maybe aren't into all the nerdy the nerdy gear stuff but i mean you know you got fly rods reels lines waders fly bo- i mean apparel all sorts of stuff and so on the fly reels i which i didn't even really realize um it looks like they have i mean do they have both like uh, trout and steelhead salmon bigger stuff game fish
1: um, they do. Um they've kind of pulled back a little bit on that because they just weren't making a big enough dent in that market. Yeah. And so they're, everything is pretty much geared around trout fishing and fresh water for bass and you know, they, they definitely have uh, light, lighter weight steelhead stuff. There's no doubt about it.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'm looking um, at one I'm looking at one here. Um the uh I guess the Spectre Spectray is a uh, the cassette reel. Not the sure. cassette
1: reel, yes. Yeah, I'm yeah. not sure if that's. The a... spe- it's actually called Specter.
0: Spe- yeah. Oh, 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 right. Specter with the R. Gotcha. So the seven eight probably is something that would be a steelhead type.
1: Yeah, of... steelhead, pike. Um, yeah, you know, they'll stuff. make a good bass rod, things bigger like stuff. that. Cool. musky. They have a line called a thistle down line, which is a a multi uh, rod weight line. They have it goes like a one, a two to five weight, and then a uh, six to eight weight. And this stuff is incredible. Um, I took a two-weight a two weight rod and was actually hitting a target at 80 feet with this line.
0: Really? Are you a, yeah, and the are way- you a spay casting champion? Or not spay, no, are not, you a fly, fly casting champion?
1: <laughs> uh, no, but I, back in the day when I used to guide all the time and I was running a fly fishing school at uh, yeah, West good. Glacier. Uh, well, we had a 42-foot casting pond up there. And I would take and put a two, uh, two, 2 inch Dixie cup on the other side on the ledge of the casting pond, and you know, I, mind you, I was out, I can't do that anymore. But uh, back in those days, I was out every day. I mean, I guide a couple hundred days out of the year, and I could I could lay a fly in that two inch Dixie cup at forty two feet.
0: There you go. There you go. So you are a good good caster. I mean, so this line, just briefly, how you know. So you can cast from low, very light rods to very heavy rods. What is the what do you know? The technology, all the diameter, all that stuff.
1: Yes, I do. Um, the The tip on it for a delicate um, presentation actually goes down to a one weight line, but the running line is actually actually a lot heavier. But it's the but it's but it's still thinner than everything else on the market. And the uh, their nanotechnology, their coating over the top of it. Where if you were to put it underneath a microscope and look at everybody else's coating, you see air bubbles and, you know, air pockets and this type of stuff in it. This is completely smooth. You do not see any air pockets or anything like that, which allows it to go through the guides a lot smoother and through the air smoother because there's nothing to catch
0: on. Gotcha. And how heavy can how heavy of a weight rod can you do use it on?
1: Um, I've only used it up to a six weight. Um, I know they say you can do a seven and eight weight with it. I've got an eight weight rod here, but I have not tried it on one yet. Yeah. So I can't honestly say I'm gotcha. fishing mostly, you know, three to five weights most of the time. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. It seems, um, and I'm not definitely a master of, uh, fly lines, but I have talked to a few people more on the space side and talking about grain weights and it seems mm-hmm. like, I will have to, you know, I mean, I, it seems like I don't understand, right? Because you talk about grain weights, a certain grain weight, a line weighs a certain amount, it balances with it. And people talk about, you know, lining a rod where you have to change it up to get the right line for the rod. It seems uh, right. crazy, kind of interesting how you could have something that would fit a bunch of different weight rods when grain rates would you, must be different.
1: Um, yeah, I thought it was uh, kind of wild at first. And one of the things I did notice with it, is i was i had it on a five foot uh or a five weight nine foot six and i was trying to do 12 foot casts with it and i was having a little bit of trouble doing that but when i started getting out to normal 25 to 30 foot casts it was great it was incredible and then when i put it on i fish a seven foot three weight a lot um you know here in colorado you know, we don't have, what I, I mean, I go over to the Taylor quite a bit. the, the I fish the Arkansas a lot, where oh, yeah. you know I definitely I definitely use I use a ten foot three weight over there, um, but uh, you know, because you got to just get out there a little farther and do you know do a little more. But on the Taylor, I fish a seven foot three weight, and I use nothing but that thistle down line. Yeah, you know, when I'm catching 14 to 18 inch browns and I'm having great, uh, great presentations with both dry fly and nymphs and, uh, I nymph fish a little different than most people. People look at me weird, but, uh, everybody uses those small dainty strike indicators. Yeah. <laughs> and I use an I, I use a nice fishing bobber for an indicator. Um, yeah. and I, and I. I, well, I started doing that when I was guiding. I ordered these things in from Gunnarama. I used to sell them out of my fly shop. And they're styrofoam and they're about an inch and a half long and you feed the line through them and they're orange on one end and white on the other end. And I started using those for clients because they could never see when they were getting a strike. And as soon as I switched over and started using that for the indicators, nymphing with the clients, their 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 hookups went up by over 50%.
0: Nice. Well, anything else we want to dig into on Snowbee? I mean, obviously, there's a lot of different products people can check out at uh, snowbee-usa.com. But uh, anything else before we kind of move on?
1: Um, no, they do have a great new um, camo tippet material I've been using that's uh, pretty awesome. And, uh, you know, other than that, they're, the, just stay tuned because there's a lot of really cool innovations coming I would get in now and start making switches you know the lines aren't going to change much i would i would get a thistle down line i can't say enough about that i've been fishing that for a little over a year now and the Novellus jackets are i mean i'm out there on the trail all the time and i've used the other puffies out there and those things i mean i've got one acquaintance who he did the trip he did a triple crown finally last year and he carries three puffies to stay warm in his backpack. And I'm like, what are you doing that for? Get, you know, get this Novellus jacket. You only need to carry one. I mean, think of, you know, think about the space and the weight, you know, but I mean, that's, that's how bad these other puffies are. And they're in the same price range. You know, it just kind of cracks me up.
0: Yeah. I'll put a, I'll put a link to that. Well, and I think that is going to be our giveaway. One of our giveaway products, um, for this. Yes, round. it is. So we'll have that. Okay, yep. cool. Well, if anybody has questions, I'll, I'll put a link in the show notes. They can check out more of Snowbee and I, uh, um, well, we're going to wrap it up here, Tom, uh, pretty quick. I, uh, just had, um, I guess this is what I call the rapid fire round. Um, although it's not okay. always super rapid, but you know, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do our best here. Um, so when you think about, you know, obviously you have a lot of experience fly fishing, doing a lot of stuff in the outdoor space. You know, what do you think it is that people, you know, that, that maybe know you or, or don't know you that they get wrong about you, you know, after knowing you talking to you or maybe, maybe not even, maybe they see you online and they see this. Is there anything that people get wrong about you? Do you, you kind of know where I'm coming from there? It's, uh, you know, um,
1: they, yeah, I, I think people think that, um, well, because I, well, I mean, I, I'm pretty loud and kind of overdressed when I'm on the trail, oh, yeah. um, you know, I, I I get a lot of weird looks and a lot of a lot of people stray away from me because they because they do look at me <laughs> like I'm a little because you're wearing because
0: you're wearing tight i
1: spandex. spandex brown trout you, you, leggings. You, you, you know? know, I got
0: I got to throw this out. I think where was I've written I've written a little bit online. <laughs> if you search for um pink spandex uh pink spandex Eagle Creek Trail, you'll find mm-hmm. probably an article about me. I, one I can't remember how it came to be, but. I was uh, somehow, it wasn't a bet, but I was just some, somewhere it came with my family. I was like, we, you know, we were doing a lot of hiking. I said, you know what? I've got these pink spandex or, I, you know, I'm going to wear them on this major trail, one of the busiest trails in our area and just see what, what happens. Right. Mm-hmm. So I wore pink spandex that day and I couldn't believe the, I mean, the looks that I got that whole day. I mean, I was definitely the the freaky person out there. And everybody was like, some people were laughing, some people were running away. I mean, it was it was unbelievable, right? It was kind of a test, and that's that's kind of what you're talking about, right?
1: Oh yeah, exactly. And that even goes back to uh, one of the one of the well the, one of the stepdaughters. Um, I lost a bat to her, and the bat was that she got to dye my hair. And so she dyed my hair purple, and it was supposed to be a a, a hair dye that would wash out within a couple of weeks well it didn't six months later my hair was pink (laughs) and i was going to business meetings like this and making sales but what was the amazing part is when i told prospective clients you know they would ask about my hair you know and i have long hair and a a beard and everything and and i told them what the deal was you know that i lost a bet to the daughter and you know and this is what happened 90% of them signed a contract with me because they, they said I had, they, they believed I had great integrity because I would honor a bet with my child and do this.
0: Roy. Yep. So, so it actually helped your, your business. It helped
1: my business in the long run.
0: There you go. There's a good, uh, there's a good reminder for everybody (laughs) just to be, to be open And your beard, your beard, for the record, your beard wasn't pink.
1: No, my beard wasn't pink. Yeah, your beard
0: was pink. Okay. Um. Okay, cool. And um, and what about? Do you have any? You know, I was just thinking about. I don't dig into the conservation much, but do you have any uh, conservation? Uh, you know, kind of messages, species, anything that you focus on, or any of the companies you work with that kind of that you know give back to that whole that whole uh, process.
1: Um, uh, these days, not not at the moment, and it's something I'm good. I've been writing some stuff about that, but I used to be. Uh, very heavy, and I'm still heavy into conservation. When I'm talking with people and things like that, I believe what's going on in this country right now is a is a is a is a cry in shame, and yeah. that the American public is being raped by our government and corporations. But um, you know, back when I was 18 years old, and you know, Earth Day started, I actually organized our town's very first uh, trash clean up. Um, I actually organized and put together the very first river cleanup on the Missouri River out of Wolf Creek and Craig, mm-hmm. um, and I, I've always been involved in conservation in one way or another. I've mm-hmm. helped with legislative bills. I've I've done various various things on that. And at the moment, I've just kind of I kind of read a lot, but I really haven't gotten proactive with any group. Um, per se, so much. I do a little bit with VOC here, which is Volunteer out, uh, Outdoor Colorado, um, and they do a lot of trail maintenance and stuff like that. And I donate to them and help them out online any way that I possibly can. But um, yep. cool, you know, I just haven't gotten out. And well, er- you know, I look at yeah, look nerd- at the big
0: boys. Oh, oh, oh go yeah, ahead. Go, uh, no, go, yeah, finish that thought on the big boys.
1: Oh, I think the big boys have gotten. Uh, too political and the grassroots and really being involved with doing conservation, uh, they they aren't there. I mean, I guess I really got out of it because I really got burned really bad by the nature Conservancy years ago. and I really they really soured me on getting involved with uh, with with companies. I mean, they were like dealing with ted turner they they would say one thing out of one side of their mouth and what they did out of the other side was complete opposite gotcha And you know and i refer to ted because i went to his meetings and stuff when he came in and started buying ranches in montana and he didn't tell us any of us the truth there that's right
0: old ted turner ted and uh and uh his uh what's what's his wife um (laughs)
1: So Jane and Jane at the time, yeah yes. Jane, yeah Jane, they,
0: so no, I think the Earth Day is interesting, I mean, that's something coming up here, you know, and for uh four uh, twenty two right that's the, the mm-hmm. one of the days where I mean I think that the cool thing about the Earth Day thing is, is that people, a lot of people that don't ever think about conservation at least once a year, you know, there's this thing, there's this big you know this event that makes people think about it. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, I definitely, the conservation pe- uh, piece, people know that listen to this, we don't, we don't dig into that. There's tons of uh, great groups out there, um, doing that, but I, really might, is. Yeah, I might link out something on the earth day just to, to give, uh, some more information there. Um, let's well, see. I'll, yeah.
1: I'll throw in one other real quick thing on the bottom of all my blogs and my videos. I, I do ask people to go support local conservation organizations. Yeah. I think that's what it's got to be. It needs to be a, a huge drive of, you know, basically like our founding fathers with small local businesses, you know, we need to be supporting small local conservation groups in order yeah. to really get anything done.
0: That's true. No, I I second that for sure. We've been talking about the online stuff a lot and some of that, you know, the businesses. What, you know, as far as what you do, why, if you had, you know, uh, the question of why do people fail at what you do? I mean, so you're doing the social. You're trying to promote. So, if some companies out here. Why are those people failing that aren't doing well? That are maybe giving up. Maybe they're not. Why is that? Why? Why? Why are they failing? Do you think?
1: Um, I think most people have um, their expectations are the reason they're failing, and I think a lot of them quit before they actually reach the success stage. Where if they'd yep. stay at it, it's everybody thinks that being online and doing all this stuff is free. It's easy it isn't. Yeah. Um, it, it's work. It's, it's, it's a full-time job for one person. <laughs> and that's where, that's where most people fail is they just, they aren't willing to delegate or put somebody in there or put in the time to do it. Yep. it. It is a lot of time. And then the other thing with social is, you know, get out there, put your message out, engage with your audience, but don't spend you know, no. so much time on one platform talking with everybody. Cause you'll waste a day and you'll waste time yep. that could, that you could be doing productive with other things. Just, you know, engage, but do it, do it smartly. Yeah. And, and I look at it all. It's, it's all like a wagon wheel or a spider web. It all leads to the center, you know, which is you. So you, you need to be, you know, you need to be putting in a little bit of time everywhere, But delegate your time. Yeah. You know, don't don't, you know, just don't focus all on Instagram or all on Twitter or, you know, all on Facebook or LinkedIn. And in fact, LinkedIn is actually becoming quite interesting. It's it's starting to um, grow again at at an exceptional rate and their engagement rate has gone up quite a bit. And I, I'm on there a lot. I've always been a big LinkedIn and I've always been a big Twitter fan as well. Yeah. But, um, uh, there's a lot of outfitters on LinkedIn selling trips and booking trips. It, it, it's kind of interesting. And I talked to several of them.
0: Yep. Yep. No, I think LinkedIn is definitely a new one you hear, you hear about, especially in the business space that that's a, a good one to be connected with. Um, Cool, Tom. Well, I think that is it. This has been, um, you know, this has been definitely a lot of fun. Uh, Do you know in the next, uh, you know, want to give us a shout out in the next uh, six months or so, anything new with any of the companies you work for, Snowbeef, Incognito, anything you want to let us know you have upcoming, yourself personally?
1: Um, personally me, I'm going to be out living on the, uh, in a tent on the trail, tying flies and fishing and shooting videos. Snowby has new products coming out. I just can't say what is coming. Yep. Um, but you're going to see them expanding more into, um, not so much the fly fishing space, but the outdoor backpacking, hiking, uh, biking. Yep that they're heading in that direction is where they're going.
0: There you go. Does that mean they're, does that mean they're going to slowly be leaving the fly fishing space or will they still have gear?
1: Oh no, they'll still be expanding the fly fishing line and, yeah. and there's new innovations coming in the fly fishing line as well. Um, but um, their products and some of the stuff coming out like the neveless jacket and the, there's some new stuff coming with that. Yep. It all fits into that other space that they have not been marketing into yet that we've been, you know, I've been having discussions with them and uh, it is an area that they will be heading within the next three months.
0: There you go. There you go. And if uh, if they want to find you, I guess the, like we mentioned, uh, trailofhighways.com is is the best place they can track you down if they have questions or or want to dig in some of this stuff, some of the marketing service you, you provide, right?
1: Um, yeah, just email me off of there and, uh, drop me a, you know, a note off the contact form and I'll get right back to you and we can dig into whatever your needs are. Cool. From talking, just talking, fishing and backpacking to, um, you know, marketing and website design and build uh, phone apps, whatever you may need.
0: That's it, you do it all. This is the cool thing. You're like a, uh, like if somebody wants to do it, you, you can kind of cover them. So This is great, Tom. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I think this has definitely been one of those episodes that's a little bit different than the norm, and you know, I I like mixing it up. So I think there's probably a few people that will that will love this, and uh, maybe they'll, you know, reach out to you, and that you'll hear uh, from, you know, hear of them through the show. So that'd be cool. But yeah, thanks again for coming on in in the chat, and we'll keep in touch with you.
1: All right, sounds good, Dave. You have a great day, and I'll uh, talk to you later. And thank you very much for this opportunity to be on with
0: you. I greatly appreciate it. You bet. Great to have you on. See ya. All right. See you later, Dave. Thanks. So there you go. If you want to find all the show notes with all the links we covered, just go to com slash 128. I'm in the process of launching a second podcast in the online marketing space with a focus on uh, outdoor companies. I'll be interviewing experts and mentors that I've, I've had over the years and, and recommended and some great people. So uh, if you're interested and want to, uh, if you have a business or have ideas about getting into business and want to learn about how to get into online marketing, everything that goes with that, uh, go to wetflyswing.com slash online, and uh, I'll give you a, an update when it launches probably later in April. And I uh, want to thank you again for stopping by today. I uh, hope you enjoyed the show and uh, we'll look forward to seeing you uh, soon, maybe connecting with you online or on the river. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com. And if you found this episode helpful, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes.